I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It doesn't matter about your underwear. It really doesn't. I learned this as a hospital chaplain working the night shift in the ER. Yes, you heard that right. I learned this as a hospital chaplain working the night shift in the ER. You see, when I was growing up, my mother, perhaps like a lot of yours, my mother drilled into me the importance of being clean, tidy, and well-dressed whenever I left the house. She liked to repeat that old adage about putting on nice undergarments just in case you got into a car accident and had to go into emergency surgery. Two years spent ministering in a level one trauma center, however, disabused me of this concern. No doctor I ever saw trying to save someone's life gave a hoot about whether that person needed to shave or shower or had badly chipped toenail polish. If patients arrived catastrophically sick or severely injured, hospital staff simply cut their clothes right off, underwear and all. No one, it turns out, stands on ceremony during medical emergencies. Not doctors, not nurses, not social workers, not patients' families especially not patients' families. Faced with the serious illness of a loved one, high-powered executives accustomed to negotiating in corporate boardrooms suddenly start bargaining with God on the hospital chapel floor. Sweet-faced grandmothers sometimes curse at lab technicians trying to collect an insurance card or complete a blood draw. Having a family member's life hanging in the balance can cause a person to behave in some pretty dramatic and desperate ways. So it is in this morning's gospel lesson. Jairus, a man whose beloved child has fallen gravely ill, approaches Jesus to ask him to heal the girl. Actually, he doesn't just approach Jesus. He prostrates himself in front of him. Jairus, we can assume, is not a natural-born prostrator. He is an important person, a respected person, a person who is, as one of my great aunts used to say, high up in his profession. So here we have this powerful man, Jairus, only he's not looking very powerful right now. He's looking frantic. He's looking frantic. He's kneeling in front of Jesus while the mud squishes between his toes and cakes over his clothing. And he is pleading over and over and over again. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus goes with him. 
Along the way, though, along the way, something happens. A woman every bit as desperate as Jairus, though in a quieter sort of way. A woman who has been bleeding for 12 whole years sneaks up on Jesus in search of relief. So frantic is this woman for Jesus' help that she does something outrageous. She does something outrageous. She touches him. She touches Jesus, thereby rendering him ritually unclean. And then, and then she is healed. Meanwhile, unfortunately, the situation with Jairus' daughter has gone from bad to worse. A whole crowd of naysayers, a bevy of ancient Palestinian doctor knows, scurry over to tell Jairus and Jesus they needn't bother going to his house anymore. It is too late. Your daughter is dead, they announce matter-of-factly. Why trouble the teacher any further? Why trouble the teacher any further? In other words, give it up, Jairus. It's over. It's over. Stop your undignified wailing and cajoling and save some face while you still can. But Jesus ignores these fatalistic cries, and he encourages Jairus to press forward, fool's errand, though it may seem to be. While others advise Jairus to pack it in and call it a day, there is one who remains. There is one who stays the course with Jairus, even in this, his darkest hour. It would be hard, I think, to overestimate the importance of this story at this particular point in Mark's gospel. Last Sunday, you may recall, in response to a miracle Jesus performs during a storm at sea, his disciples ask each other a question. They wonder, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this? Today's gospel lesson provides an answer to their query. Who is this? This is the one who brings life out of death. This is the one who brings life out of death. This is the one who does not shy away from helpless people or helpless situations, from folks whose desperation has reached the point that they are engaged in pointless, embarrassing, even scandalous behavior. This is the one who does his best work in the midst of horrific despair. This is the one who joins with the despondent and the dying in their last-ditch efforts to find light in the darkness, water in the desert, calm in the storm. This is the one who takes a dead girl by the hand and says to her, against all odds, Talitha Kum, Talitha Kum, little girl, get up. This is the one, this 
is who Jesus is. All of which strikes me as incredibly good news. You and I are living through a time right now that is rife with death, cynicism, and hopelessness. All around us, there are voices advising us to quit, not to get up, but to give up, to cut our losses while we still can, to abandon our cities in favor of communities we imagine will be safer and more peaceful, to adopt a cynical attitude toward our government and our public institutions, to cease the struggle for racial justice because continuing it may involve dredging up a painful past many of us had thought was over, to cut ourselves off from family members and friends with whom we disagree on political and social issues, to resign ourselves to coping with a mental health crisis by turning to alcohol, food, or drugs. All around us, all around us, there are those who are advising us to quit, forces that are advising us to give up. And these siren cries are loud. But Jesus says, Jesus says, not so fast, not so fast. In spite of all the loss and pain of the past year and a half, the division and discord in our civic life, the violence in our streets, the almost four million souls lost to COVID-19 around the globe, all the fervently whispered prayers in the middle of the night that have seemed to have gone unanswered. In spite of all of this, in spite of it and in the midst of it, there is still healing and beauty and redemption and relationship to be found. There is still joy and reconciliation and peace and wonder. And so, just recently, in the living room, in the living room in Connecticut, where a man with Alzheimer's forgot he was married, only to fall in love with his wife a second time and ask her to wed him all over again. Only recently, Lisa and Peter Marshall got up. They arose. They got up and they renewed their vows. And from the devastating rubble of this week's catastrophic collapsed high-rise condominium in Miami, a passerby out with his dog at night heard a desperate cry and saw an outstretched hand, its fingers wiggling frantically. And so Nicholas Balboa got up 
He got up from the spot where he'd been watching the disaster and he saved the life of a young boy. Where in your life, I wonder, have you been left for dead? Where have you given up on yourself? Where have you given up on our country and on our world? Where have you begun to abandon hope and surrender to those voices that tell you it's no use, that tell you it's too late? Wherever this place is for you, wherever you're in your life, this place is for you, know that this is precisely the place where Jesus comes to you today and says, Arise! Do not be afraid. Only believe. Arise. Take heart. Get up. Amen.